S5D Rush really was more of an outgrowth of our clients coming to us. All of a sudden, our clients could no longer showcase these, these content-rich experiences. So they came to us and they said, okay, our campus has shut down. We're not going to live events. How do we still continue to, to show these, these experiences? We had to deliver something that focused on how do we get these content-rich experiences, which are you know highly interactive, they're highly immersive. How do we show that to people through a simple browser click? My name is Jeff Meisner. I am co-founder and CEO of Sector 5 Digital. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Jeff Meisner pivoted his agency into a new way to virtually connect with customers. All this and more on Code Story. Jeff Meisner is an electrical engineering grad from Waterloo in Canada. Post-college, he settled into the DFW area and worked for several tech companies, mostly on the business development side. He loves to travel with his family, his wife of 34 years, two daughters and son-in-laws, and a couple of grand dogs in the Dachshund, Beagle, and Black Lab family. Fun fact, he has a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo, but he doesn't keep up with the discipline anymore. Some of his biggest influences are the Ten Commandments and the books Good to Great, Crossing the Chasm, and Traction. He started his agency six years ago to create award-winning live 3D experiences for brands like American Airlines, Halliburton, Galderma, and other large organizations. When COVID hit, live events were no more, which created a problem for his industry. In response to this, his team built a new platform to connect his clients to their customers, virtually. This is the creation story of Sector 5 Digital and S5D Rush. Sectified Digital is an award-winning digital agency that creates amazing 3D experiences for industry-leading brands. And we combine brilliant storytelling with emerging technology, basically dream the impossible and then make it happen. I co-founded the company six years ago, back in 2014, and it really came out of an outgrowth of the trade show company that I'd founded back in 2001. We're doing some joint work with one of our clients, um, American Airlines. And at the time, American wanted to, they were just about to launch their new brand and they wanted to build a 3D cinema on the trade show floor. So my company built the cinema and my future co-founder, my future partner's company built the content for, for the 3D cinema. So we got together, really hit it off, started doing a lot of joint projects together, first for American Airlines and then for other clients, and formally founded the company in 2014. Since then, we've been really focused on custom content development, really for these large enterprise organizations. I mentioned AA, Bell, Textron, Ecolab, Galderma, Halliburton, diverse in industries, but all you know, very large kind of multi-billion dollar global organizations. And so we built all these big experiences, mainly for live events. 
So it's face-to-face -face kind of experiential marketing and business development. Obviously what happened last year is live events came to a, a screeching halt. And so we developed a product, a platform, actually a virtual experience platform called S5D Rush. And that allows our clients to showcase these content-rich experiences on any device via a simple browser link. Well, tell me about the MVP of S5D. Tell me about that first product you built. Um, what sort of tools you use to bring it to life? Sure. No, on, on the content development side, we mainly use tools like 3ds Max, Maya, Substance, Designer and Painter, as well as some of the real-time engines like uh, Unity and, and Unreal. That's kind of to develop that. Now on, on the S5D Rush side, we, we, it's really a lot of custom coding, very deep custom coding. But what we're really doing is we're firing up uh, server instances in the cloud. We use a lot of uh, AWS instances and we uh, we use a lot of nvidia gpus for that so it would be interesting it's interesting to know what sort of decisions and trade-offs you had to make so you know you're building this product as sort of a sort of a pivot away from live events being shut down right you have to with MV, any mvp you've got to decide hey this is what we can do now and this is what we can perhaps do later or this where this is where we can take on technical debt so tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how did you cope with them s5d rush really was more of an outgrowth of our clients coming to us so you know go back to march of last year and all of a sudden our clients could no longer showcase these these content rich experiences so they came to us and they said okay our campus has shut down. We're not going to the live events. How do we still continue to, to show these, these experiences? And at the time, there really was no platform that, that existed that allowed that in a, in a seamless fashion. No kind of webinar, video conference platform, virtual event platform, because we, we, we looked at them all. So we, we did a pretty ambitious R&D project really launched it in, a, in about March of last year and, and took months trying to find a platform that we really could utilize for, for our clients. There really wasn't anything out there. So then we decided to develop it on our own. And it's really taken about six months to build our MVP. And we're now continuing to add features to it. So I guess the main trade-off at the time was, was really, I mean, our business just halted. Nobody was doing experiential marketing anymore. So this pivot was really for, for survival for us. We really adopted what I'll call a survive to thrive mentality. And then we pivoted our team to the development of S5D Rush. So six months to build S5D Rush using a lot of cloud infrastructure. What, you know, what made you choose to go AWS over, over something else? A lot of it had to do with the knowledge base that our, our internal team had. They were really more more comfortable with 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 AWS. Now going forward, though, we're we're looking at other potential platforms beyond that. But that really was probably the the main reason was was just we felt like we could get there faster by starting starting with AWS. So you mentioned this a minute ago, but I want to dive into it a little more. 
So how are you progressing the product and maturing it? And I think what I'm most interested in is how are you building your roadmap? How are you deciding what's the next most important thing to build in S5D? Yeah, we use we use a phased approach for any project development. So anytime we do custom content creation for our clients, it's it's always that phased approach with timelines and deliverables. So we put this out, we mapped it out into really four main phases different capabilities through each of those phases. And and so we're now actually just just completing phase three and we're moving into phase four. So it's really a case also of as we've now gotten the product out and as we've done demonstrations of the product to clients, they've given us feedback about, hey, what what are the things they would like to see in the product? And, And so We have done a little bit of pivoting as we've gone along, but for the most part, the roadmap that we developed at the very beginning, we've we've pretty much stayed the course on that. So you kind of had a a really good plan in the beginning and you phased the the process and haven't had to veer from that much. Is that, am I hearing that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I think it's because we had five years of experience of doing these massive projects with our clients. So that was very, very helpful in terms of we adopt the same philosophies and, and, and software tools that, that, that we've used before. We just pivoted for product development. For the product development, you're basically using the needs of your, your current large um, customer base. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We see, I mean, there's, there's, there's several use cases out there, but the, I mean, the main use case, if you think about the trade show world, and that's really the world that, I mean, when I first, my first company that I founded in 2001 was in the trade show and event space. I know that space very, very well. Um, and I know the kind of the pain points that current trade show and event managers are experiencing right now because they can't do what they used to do. And so I think what's, what's happened, the industry as a whole, I think what happened initially once uh, COVID hit was the trade show event managers for the most part were okay well this will more than likely blow over into the fall i think they took an approach of hey let's more of a wait and see approach uh, and thinking okay let's just get through the summer and traditionally there's not a lot of trade shows and events in the summer anyway so let's focus on the fall and then of course we moved in towards getting closer to the fall and now all of their live events and trade shows and conferences are are being canceled in the fall. So I think they then looked at these various virtual trade show and event platforms that some associations were coming out with and and they tried those those. Unfortunately, they are just not robust enough to showcase these immersive experiences. So I think there was a whole kind of mindset shift coming into 2021 that not only is this not going away, but really the hybrid approach to exhibits and events is, is here to stay. There always now will be some sort of a virtual component. So we've really seen a massive uptick in, in interest in S5D Rush now in 2021. 
I hear you saying, you know, the industry has essentially changed with COVID and there's always going to be some sort of virtual component and the existing solutions out there aren't enough. It sounds like your product is at the forefront of being the most robust way to do these virtual kind of content events, trade shows, uh, things like that. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it is. And that's really based on where we came from because we had to deliver something that focused on how do we get these content rich experiences, which are you know highly interactive, they're highly immersive. How do we show that to people through a, a simple browser click? So because the end user community, they're not technologists. These are folks, again, if I use the, the trade show and event industry, these are these are folks that they're not they're not the technology uh, piece of that. So if this isn't easy for them to use, it so it doesn't involve putting on a, a, a VR headset. It doesn't involve you know trying to configure those sorts of things remotely. So it, it's got to be easy to use. It's got to have very 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 low latency. And so we're finding that not only is that a great use for say the in the marketing side of the house, but business development the sales side of the house. This is a great way for people to show their product in an, in an engaging way. People are getting really, really tired of kind of quote unquote death by PowerPoint or these sort of video conferences that are just quite boring. And if you don't get people engaged and give them something interactive, you've lost them. The biggest issue is you don't even know you've lost them because they may still be online, quote unquote, they may still be on your video conference, but you have no idea because you've mentally, they're somewhere else. Let's switch to team. My question kind of specifically goes around the product team, but it'll be interesting to hear, maybe you answer it both for Sector 5 Digital and for S5D. How did you build your team? And I'm interested in what you looked for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you. I mentioned one of my influences before being the book Good to Great, Jim Collins. I think that is one of the, the best business, business books ever written. And one of the things that Jim Collins says is good is the enemy of great. You just can't build a great company with, with average people. What we look for is we look for the all-stars. Um, we look for people who have very specific skill sets as well as personalities. So we hire for both culture as well as competence. So it, it's kind of a that unique blend. It's like, okay, this is the skill set we need. These are the personality traits we need. Because we really believe highly in focusing on people's strengths. Get the people who are passionate about doing these certain things and they will be happier. And then also put them into a culture that really is, is a culture of all-stars because A players want to work with other A players. I guess some, someone said once that we're like a very fast moving school of fish. So let's flip to scalability. Uh, did you build this to scale efficiently from the beginning or are you fighting this as you grow and start to gain traction? We've definitely implemented some of the policies, procedures and things like that that we've put in place I'm a firm believer of put those things in place now to where you want to get to, not to where you are today. So fortunately, I had the experience with founding a, 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 another company that went through 
uh, kind of growth and scalability. So I was able to bring a lot of those policy procedures and practices over to Sector 5 Digital. But if you want to be a $10 million company, for example, well, whatever you are, act like you're a $10 million company so you can scale. You want to be a $100 million company, start you know, acting that way. And that's not to say that you know, you want to become corporate or bureaucratic, but it is to say there's fundamental principles that need to be in place. That's why another of my strong influences is a book called Traction. I believe Traction is, again, one of those books that every entrepreneur, anyone who's starting up a business should read. It gives you a blueprint for putting those sorts of things in place to allow yourself to scale. As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built with Sector 5 Digital and with S5D Rush, what are you most proud of? Yeah, I would say that most proud of the award-winning experiences that our amazing team has created for our clients and really seeing how the great work we have done has helped really help transform companies, win awards, get people promoted. That's kind of the epitome of, of what I've seen. And, and I would look back and to me, one of the proudest moments of my career was standing on the show floor of at CES in 2018. To give you a little backstory, one, one of our clients is, is, is Bell, Bell Flight or Bell Textron. The CEO there at Bell was trying to transform Bell from being this kind of somewhat militaristic manufacturer of helicopters. He wanted to transform the company to be known as a leading edge technology provider of vertical flight solutions. And to do that, he really stuck his neck out and to go to CES in 2018, no other helicopter manufacturer had ever had ever actually exhibited at CES. So this was a, a, a huge risk for him, really, you know, and there are a lot of naysayers about, well, why are you going to CES? And so we were able to work very closely with him, with their innovation team, and create some just amazing digital experiences that promoted Bell as this leading edge technology company. We are also able to use our contacts within the tech community and some of the hardware manufacturers, HTC Vive, that we use for the experience and, and link up their PR to Bell's PR. The net result was we had over 7,000 people go through this, this experience. Uh, Wired Magazine, gave it one of its uh, best of CES awards. That, and I think, you know, we were a part of really helping Bell in that transformation. And that, that is a pivotal moment for me. And I, I get so much satisfaction about us working with Bell and working with other partners to, to create that. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake that you made and how you and your team responded to it. Oh my goodness, I make mistakes every day. So <laughs> that's where do I start, right? I would say probably when we first started digital, I mean, we were just on this rocket ship. We were more than doubling our revenues every year. And after doing that for a few years, 
I think we kind of just assumed that it was just going to keep happening. We kind of really took our eye maybe off the profit piece and just we're focusing on on increasing revenue. You know, that's a that's a fundamental mistake that I think all entrepreneurs probably go through. We certainly did. I mean, we we went on kind of a hiring spree. We somewhat compromised on our hiring standards because we were just trying to find more people. Then the the revenue, you know, started leveling off. I mean, it's still good revenue growth, but it wasn't we weren't doubling the way we were before. And I think we we took on some jobs that weren't as profitable as they should be, chasing revenue instead of really focusing on profit. So we had to, you know, at some point in time, I mean, our, our cash burn rate went up exponentially. The revenue started leveling off, and we 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 really had to take a sit back and and say, okay, we need to change this because we're you know we're just burning cash way too fast. And I and I think we. We then had to make some tough decisions. We had, you know, our first layoff ever that we had, and this was, I don't know, what this was probably four years into the company, any sort of, you know, major layoff, if you will. And we were able to look at our people and say, you know what, there's a certain group of people here that really, if we look back and adhere to our standards, these are not the right folks for Sector Five Digital. So uh, I think that was really hard because, you know, those people we like those people. That our team liked those people, and、uh, that was really tough for a lot of people. But we we're really transparent about why we made the decisions, and I think after the initial shock wore off, I think people trusted that we had made the right decisions. So, what does the future look like for Sector Five and S Five D Rush for the product and for your team? We're very bullish on the future. We we think the future is extremely bright, and and the reason we do is is because of what I was saying earlier about a tipping point really occurring last year. You know, unfortunately, because of COVID, people have really now started. You know, there's so many more people working from home. There's so many more people who are now realizing that yes, I can work and function in,、uh, virtually. And so that was a that was a mindset shift, I think, for a lot of people. And so now that we have our S five D Rush platform, we can reach that that much wider audience. And then also, and this we didn't really think about it when we first started with the platform development was, this has given us a vehicle to showcase all of these immersive experiences. So I think people are blown away when they see the platform itself, but they're also blown away by seeing the content. It's like, wow, you guys do really, really good, amazing content. I think what we're seeing now is that a lot of companies are now, you know, wanting to work with us because of our content development, which is that's that's our knitting. That's I mean that's our in our DNA, and then also put it on the platform. But then repurpose that content once we get back into live events. So, who influences the way that you work? You know, it could be CEO, a CTO, an architect, any person.、Uh, name a person that you look up to and why. Actually, I'll give you two. <laughs> Both of them are personal friends of mine, so I've, I've got a chance to see them in their work life, and I've also got to see them in their personal life, and it's. It's very consistent, and the two are, are Charlie Morrison, 
who is the uh, CEO of Wingstop, and Mitch Waycaster, who is the CEO at, at Renaissance Bank. Both publicly traded companies. Obviously, Charlie more with Wingstop, more in the you know consumer facing side, but you know Mitch、uh, at Renaissance. They're you know a, a very large bank, primarily in the sub- southeast、uh, part of the U.S. But what they both have in common, which I really admire, is they're really they're both ethical servant leaders who tip the organizational structure upside down. So you know think about the normal you know triangle、uh, with the kind of CEO on top, flip that upside down. I mean they really see them as supporting. The organization, I see them both how they put their their faith, their family, as well as their teammates first, and everything else takes care of itself. So, if you could go back to the beginning, either of Sector Five or when you started building S Five D Rush, if you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently, or where would you consider taking a different approach? Yeah, that's a really tough question because I really, truly don't have any regrets. I know that may sound cliche, but I really believe everything happens for a reason. I have made a ton of mistakes, but I really try to see every mistake, if you will, as a learning experience. I think it's only a mistake when you don't learn something from it. But if you if you look at those, and and that's also the philosophy I, I try to have in the company. You know, if something didn't go the way that we wanted to, what are we going to learn from this so that we make sure it doesn't happen again? And so, for me, it's it's really more about that. And probably, if if I was forced to, you know, pick something, I would say I would have liked to have started my own company sooner.、Um, I didn't start my first company until I was late, you know, later in my thirties. But then, at the same time, all the things that I learned along the way, I was able to use when I did start the company. So, it's really hard to say that I would do anything different there. Well, last question, Jeff. So, you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who has built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? Hopefully, this is a, a long flight. <laughs> so I would have a lot to share、uh, with that that young entrepreneur. But I would say number one is is cash is king. I think there's a reason that most small businesses fail in their first five years, and then there's also, you know, it's a very high percentage of. Of the ones that make it, their first five years that fail in the next five. You know, I've been fortunate to get past both of those marks with my previous companies. I think one of the things is focus on your cash burn rate and focus on profit and not just revenue at all costs. I think a lot of entrepreneurs take on projects; they take them on without thinking really through a the opportunity cost. Okay, because if we're taking on this project and it's not got the profit margins we need, we're we're now using all of our people, and now they can't work on something else. That's kind of one that I would you know focus on is 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 the opportunity cost of your decisions. I would also say to hold on to your equity for as long as possible. Both of my startups have been entirely self-funded, 
So we were able to not have to give away to equity early on and, and, and really be much more in control of, of our decisions. I would say focus on your strengths. So know who you are. If you really aren't sure, I mean, there's tons of uh, personality tests. Uh, strengths Finder is, is an awesome one. They even have a Strengths Finders for, for entrepreneurs. But figure out what your core strengths are and surround yourself with other people who complement those skills. Don't try to just get someone exactly like you, which I, I think happens a lot, you know, in, in, in technology as you get a couple or three or, you know, more technically oriented people that have certain skill sets, but they don't have other skill sets. I remember, for example, I'll go back to my electrical engineering days. My lab partner was absolutely brilliant and he would do the most of the lab work and I would do the write-ups of the lab because my mom's an English teacher, so I knew how to write. So those are the sorts of things that, yes, I've got a double E degree, but I'm more on that. I have a certain skill set that my you know fellow entrepreneurs and, and my fellow co-founders, they have other skill sets um, and they're very complementary. And then lastly, I would say, make sure you have the support of your family. If your family is not behind you on this venture, it's not worth it because you've got to have them there to support you during the downs and you got to have them to cheer with you on, on the ups. I remember my first company about a, a year and a half into it because I, I started it a week before 9-11, uh, which is not the right time to get in the trade show business. A year and a half into it, I was almost ready to pack it in. Um, and my wife, bless her heart, she came to me and she said, if this is your passion and your vision, if we need to sell the house to keep this going, I'm willing to do that. That I had that support. And I do remember having a young entrepreneur come to me for mentorship. And I, and I told him that story. And he said, my wife wouldn't do that. And then I said, well, then you seriously need to think about whether or not you want to get into this because you are going, it's a roller coaster ride and you're going to have, you're going to need somebody there that's going to be able to ride the peaks and valleys with you. Oh, that's fantastic advice and such a cool, cool story and kudos to your wife. <laughs> thank you. I married up. Well, Jeff, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Sector 5 Digital and S5D Rush. Well, thank you, Noah. It's been my pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.